super creepy. Classic, always predictable horror music. Uh-oh, Kelly. Just like, <gasps> when it goes silent, I wonder what's going to happen next. All right, we will get into all that. But first, welcome everyone. This is the newest episode of Ian Hates Movies. My name is Ian. And I'm Kelly. All right, Kelly, don't tell me that this is another one of these Ian loves this movie and Kelly hates this movie. Is that what we're doing today? No. Okay. Because we should both hate this movie. Oh, Ah. you tricked me. (laughs) I was tricked. Damn it. Well, Kelly, before we start everything, let's give a warning to everyone that right now you are in where? Arizona? I'm in Nevada. I am on the Nevada side of Lake Tahoe. Ah, okay. I knew it was something somewhere around there. Three-hour time difference. So you are broadcasting from a place where you normally don't, so sound quality, all that kind of stuff might be a little different. Right. I did not pack my mic to travel cross-country out here, so I am just winging this with um, hopefully my Beats by Dre will will make this work out well. Are they paying us? Hopefully. I I will hashtag him. If they send some free ones, that's completely fine, but cool. I don't think that's going to happen. Anyways, that was a little point of warning. All right, well, now we got to get into this, Kelly. You might as well just start right away. We were deciding on whether or not we were going to do Baywatch or something like that, but because of what we just talked about, it was really hard for Kelly to get to the theater, for me to get to the theater, so we are going to hold off on Baywatch. We are going to do it. But really, you guys shouldn't be too interested in it because it has like what, like a 15% on Rotten Tomatoes now, maybe? But still probably a better movie than Wonder Woman. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, we're not talking about quality movies compared to DC or anything, so. Right, because right. That's, that's, where, that's where we set the bar at, people. You have to be at least, at least past this. The commercials just look so stupid. Oh my god. They look so bad. Yeah. But anyway... We realized, oh, there was a very highly anticipated and highly rated movie that came out this year that we didn't get a chance to see in the theaters either. So the movie is Get Out. and right, it which just, we've been talking about doing it for a while. Yeah, it just came out on DVD. So we were like, hey, this is a perfect chance. We can get it on demand. We can watch it. We can talk about it. So that is what we are going to be talking about on this episode of Ian Hates Movies. Kelly and I, like you probably know, do not talk about the movies before we talk about them. This is like an actual conversation that happens between two friends and stuff. So I am looking forward to hearing what she says, but I'm already a little worried. <laughs> yeah, but you're always a little worried. I think that's that's a fair point to make. That is very true. So hmm. let's get the basics out of the way first. So this movie did come out this year, so 2017. It has a 99 percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Right. Which is, I believe, the highest rated movie we have done on this show. Yes. It was written and directed by Jordan Peele. Yep. And people might know him from Key and Peele and all of his other comedic work and everything. Now, I will say, this was sold to me as a comedy horror movie. Really? Who sold it to you that way? Many people. Commercials do it. Okay. How many times did you laugh watching this movie? Well, that's the thing. I probably chuckled a couple times, but what I was led to believe was this was the new horror comedy for the ages. I was led to believe this was a Evil Dead type or a Drag Me to Hell type, you know, something like, or Cabin in the Woods. Yeah, yeah, because they were talking about how people laughed at this movie, and I was like, wait a second, what could you possibly, like, you weren't laughing at Rod, were you? Because he really wasn't funny. Right? Yeah, no. I mean, I think if anything, the TSA agent, you kind of had a couple like, well, I knew you were going to go there, but it borderline on like 
Tyler Perry kind of stuff where you're kind of like, too far. Well, I wouldn't even say too far. It was just it was such a hokey character for something that right. was supposed to be very thriller mystery type. And then you would call him and like, here's your comedic relief. Yeah. But even then, you're it was still kind of disjointed to because yeah. he took that character to too far of a degree for me. Like I liked him, but I wish they had done it in a different way if that was possible. Right. So I would call this more of a thriller mystery with a dash of horror in it. Yeah. I went into this movie with it being very hyped up. I think it lived up to most of the hype. You know, spoiler alert, I do like this movie a lot. And we'll get into why and why Kelly doesn't like it and why she thinks I shouldn't like it. But in general, I did very much enjoy this movie. I know why it's rated as high as it is. I was rooting for Chris the entire movie. Extremely likable character. Yeah, I was pounding on my bed like, get up, Chris. Get up. Like, somehow, like, you got to fight these terrible white people. Like, I was all for it. I was like, yes. I was like, get them away. Like, I hated them so, so much. So I was completely fine with all that. But, Kelly, I guess let's start a little bit with you right now. What were some of your disjointed areas? Like, what in general didn't you like? And then we'll go through the entire movie. Well, we've already talked about this before. Um, I'm always very hesitant with anything Blumhouse puts out. Absolutely agreed. So that's always a little bit like, oh, there's a good chance this will really suck. I'm not as a hardcore lover as you are of this movie. I feel like it's overrated, but it's not a. I don't hate this movie. I feel like it's more 70s, 80s versus 90s. It's still, I would still recommend it, but it's not... I would not call this a, a be all and end all by any means. Okay. It is a fun new approach on something. And I wouldn't call it a horror movie. I'd call it a thriller. It's not, I did not get the horror feel to it. I think the horror comes from the way they shot certain things because they definitely did a couple of on purpose jump scares. When? When like Georgina would walk by deer. like, yeah, yeah, the deer was a big thing. Uh, when Georgina okay. walks by in the background. Right. I would say when Walter is running at him like full speed, that's definitely I think a you're horror. More along the lines, you're trying to focus and be like, "What the hell is that?" Until it gets upon you. But even then, it's uh, okay. And then eh. what they were actually doing is the horror aspect of it—the coagula procedure or whatever they called it. That's the horror part of it because that's a hostile thing. That's a you know all yeah, those movies okay. where you know. You're... But I feel like it almost goes like sci-fi ish. It's science fiction, is all that is. I think you're pulling teeth. I think, yeah. <laughs> I would say I'm in being general, very particular. Yes, you are. But I think in general, I would call that the horror aspect of it. Okay. Let's hit on the Blumhouse thing for a second because I looked that up as well because <laughs> I didn't originally know it was because it did not get promoted. As no, that. as one. Right. Thank God. Because really, when I look at what Blumhouse has coming out and what they've had this year, they've actually done very, very well for themselves, which is scary because Split made a ton of money. Right. Get Out went from a $4.5 million movie to $241 million that it made at the box office. Right. And then Slight did very well as well. And we talked about Slight. We'll probably do that movie when it comes out on DVD. That's that one. That's the kind of superhero-ish movie. But it's very oh, similar yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, to that old one. I forget the name of it. But the, it's not Project Almanac, but it's I forget what it was called. Yeah, it was yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yep. But that movie was made for $250,000. And it made $3.9 at the box office, which is huge for not a bad. very, yeah, very, very small movie like that. So... 
you know, Low Riders did well for them, but that's a terrible movie. Yeah, I know. But they're trying to expand out. They're not just doing the basic horror movies. They're expanding their range, which I'm at least fine with. But they still have shit movies coming up. They have Amityville, The Awakening. So they have another, <laughs> yeah, another Amityville. They have another Insidious. Insidious is up to chapter four. Really? That's ridiculous. Ugh. The Purge 4 is also coming out in 2018. Um, I think they're going too far with it now. Yeah. I'm a little worried for uh, that. Well, un- well, unless it's the prequel. That I don't know. how it came about. That would be nice, but I don't know if that's what it is. Right. So anyway, so that's Blumhouse. So I completely understand when I started the movie, I was like, oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> like, they're just lying to us. There's no way this movie is a 99% on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, you guys bought all the click farm. Click farm. Let's just start with the movie, right? There are only a few characters you even need to know names of. Right. So you start at the beginning of the movie with a guy who you obviously haven't met. He's walking down, you know, a dark street and he sees this car and he's a black guy. He doesn't like the area that he's in. He's in like a suburban area. Yes. All of a sudden he gets kidnapped. He gets a chokehold put on him and he goes to sleep and he gets dragged into the car. So then you meet Chris and Rose. You know, normally we don't talk race. But this movie is all about race, so we have to say (laughs) the people and what their skin color is. So Chris is a black guy, Rose is a white girl, and they've been dating, you find out later on, they've been dating for five months, right? Right. Now, to me, meeting parents that early, red flag right there. Right. Unless there's some kind of weird special occasion or something like that, I think that's pretty early on. Yeah. Well, okay, so... You get dragged to weddings a decent amount of times. <laughs> How often into a relationship do you get dragged into those? You know, it's only happened once. Oh, okay, see. And that was after a year. So okay. that was relatively fine, and her parents weren't there. All right. But I would say right. to go and hang out for a weekend in their parents' house, you don't even know if a relationship is even there at five months. Yeah, I, I can't really relate to any of this because I love dragging people to my parents' house. I think it's fun. <laughs> And then doing this to them? Yeah, pretty much, yeah. Okay. Explain. We have black mold in our basement, too. Yeah, I thought they were going to make some joke about that. Right. But then they didn't. No, yeah. (laughs) So Chris is a little hesitant. And Chris is a photographer. So you see a lot of different art in his apartment. He's in, what, Brooklyn, New York? Or just somewhere in New York? I forget. He's in Brooklyn. Yeah. And he's got a friend named Rod. And Rod works at the TSA. Booyah. And what I do want to say, by the way, is when they talk to Rod as they're in the car going to her parents' place, he mentions, he's like, how can I get in trouble for having to search an old white lady or something like that? And it makes me very hesitant to ever make the TSA the heroes because whenever I go to the airport, I am always, always with a hand up my butt (laughs) and on my crotch all the fucking time. It just happened again. No matter what. Because you're so touchable. They love sticking their hand up my butt. You just have that kind of face that says, yes, I'll enjoy this. Please make my day. See, that seems very strange. Yeah. Because I certainly don't have that. (laughs) For this whole entire movie, I'm just like, I don't trust the TSA. Right. I don't trust them. So how are you going to make him the hero? That makes no sense to me. But. That's a separate story, and I'm sure I will have more amazing stories to Penthouse that I can tell all of you about as the TSA grabs my dick (laughs) and everything else in between. So, yeah, so we covered Chris and Rose, and apparently they're going back to 
it's what upstate New York, I guess. I think so. So traveling to upstate New York, um, and on their way up there, uh, he yeah he calls and talks to Rodney Rod. Just Rod. Who's the TSA agent? And of course, for some reason, um, Rose always has to talk to him, which I thought was kind of odd. In the context of the film and what you find out later, I think right. that's a very smart thing to happen. I've done this before. I need to set this up this way. She needs to be trusted by the friends. Well, yeah. That's the whole point. Like, there's no other point other than that. She needs to be trusted by people so that people don't suspect her. Right. As they're driving, a deer runs out in front of them. It hits the car and then takes off back into the woods. But it dies there. Right. And really, this is a point in the movie that doesn't need to be, except to give you a little suspense right away. It puts you on, yeah, it's kind of a jump scare. It puts you on the edge of your seat. Um, it kind of does have a follow through at the towards the end of the movie as well, which I think is kind of funny, but... They also have a cop that asks for his ID, uh, even though he wasn't the one driving. Cringe-worthy scene. Yeah, it was because I guess that was supposed to get you more on her side. Oh, but it yeah. did, though. It made me hate her more because, really, you're going to be the pretentious white girl who's going to defend your black boyfriend. Because I've also been in those situations where if there's a crash, no matter what the color your skin is, everyone gets asked for their ID. Exactly. It's not a race thing. It's what no. happens. But yeah. I know what they're going for in that scene. But it feels very, I'm going to shove this down your throat. Well, we also didn't mention the talk that Rose and Chris had before leaving the apartment. When he's packing, he's very anxious and a little nervous. And she's like, what's wrong? And he comes out and he says, did you tell your parents I'm black? Right. And then she has to be like the, oh, no, you know, I don't see color. So, no, what am I supposed to say to my parents? Hey, I'm bringing my black boyfriend so they can prepare. And then he has to feel silly about himself. I don't know. When I take girls home, I don't tell them what color they are. So I understand <laughs> the thing. But I also don't know from his perspective that he's going to be treated differently in those situations. You know, I don't have to deal with that normally. Yeah. We can't help you with this particular fact. Yeah, it's a hard perspective for us to get into because it's not a situation that we really have to ever deal with. Really? Other than TSA. TSA sees no color, hence the groping of Ian. Very true. No, that's absolutely true. They get to the house. It's the mother and father, played by two great people, by the way. <gasps> Fantastic actors. I was so excited that these were the two parents. Yeah. It's... And it took me a minute to be like, wait a minute. Is that who I think it is? Holy crap. Catherine Keener and Bradley Whitford. Yes. Both great, great character actors. Yes. For Chris, his name is Daniel Kaluuya. Sure. I don't know. I'm so bad with names. Everyone already knows that anyways. But I didn't really know him from anything except for small bit parts. And then Allison Williams, Rose, the only reason why I know her is she's the only attractive person on that show, Girls. Oh, eh. No, that show's garbage and we're not going to talk about it. But she's the only reason why you would ever look at that show. And apparently the brother is Banshee in X-Men First Class. Yeah, I saw that, but I did not recognize him when I saw that. At all. No. Mm Mm-mm. But we'll get to him, obviously. So anyways, that's just a generalization for anyone who doesn't know the movie, who didn't get a chance to watch it. So it's a nice little suburban area. You know, they live at the end of the street or whatever in like a cul-de-sac type thing. They have some black people that work for them. And it's specifically noted as that. Because when you go by, you see the person that's doing the landscape. That's Walter, who we meet later. And then when they get in the house, you meet Georgina. And she's like the housekeeper. 
Right. You meet, obviously, the mother and the father. The mother is a psychiatrist, and she specializes in hypnosis. Yep. And the father is a neurosurgeon. And I want to note, if I'm not mistaken, they only say that once in the film. Yep. They only say it once. They talk about her hypnosis multiple times. Right. And that's obviously done on purpose. Right. So I enjoyed the little things like that. He takes Chris on a tour of the house. And that's where, you know, he talks about very briefly that his grandfather was beaten by Jesse Owens in the Olympics. Talks about how Hitler was a piece of shit. And makes a little joke that his grandfather kind of got over it. Lovely. You know, he makes his comment about how he would have voted for Obama for a third term. That made me laugh because she said that was going to happen. And it did just come out of nowhere. And it's such a white person thing to do. Yeah. And, you know, for him to say best president of his generation, I don't think that's true. Yeah. But, you know, he's trying to, you know, get in like that's going to make people like him better. You know, it's stupid white people things. Right. Very white people things. The dad also mentions how the fact that he hates deer and it's, you know, one down a forest to go, which is an interesting thing because that gets thrown back to later on in the movie. He kind of keeps watching the housekeeper and the gardener and he's noticing that they kind of act a little off. They're a little weird. Right. Um, he's upstairs. He's unpacking. Oh, by the way, during the drive there, uh, you come, you find out that Chris smokes. Yes. He kind of really wants to have a cigarette. So that's kind of playing on, into it as well. And at one point when they're all sitting down and talking before the brother shows up, they notice that he's kind of twitching a little bit because they've seen people who smoke. And it turns out that she's able to hypnotize people to make them not smoke anymore. It gives them an aversion to doing that. And he's saying, eh, that's really not for me. I do want to stop, but I don't want anyone playing around in my head. Right. Which is something that I would feel the same way about, too. Like, I don't care about talking about anything. Like, we do that on the show all the time. I don't mind. Right. I don't mind talking about my life. I don't want anyone fucking around in my head. Hmm. That's the issue with women. No mind games for you. Damn it. Now we found the problem. I like the issue. (laughs) (laughs) Let's not name all the other ones. No, no. That's that's the issue. That's the main one. (laughs) You refuse to play the game. I see how you are. Anytime a girl comes over and whips out a pocket watch, I'm like, get out. Yes. Oh, no. We will have none of the shenanigans here. They try and have some tea and start stirring it. No, ma'am. Get the (laughs) fuck out. That was so hideous. Like, I'm like, how would that? That's nails on a chalkboard for me. I I could not stand that. I thought that was done so well. (sighs) Exactly. That was a visceral reaction that you had to. I think most people, I don't think anyone enjoys when they hear someone do something like that. Right. And that was how she set him up for everything. So we're almost there anyways. We might as well talk about it in a second. He wakes up in the middle of the night and he can't sleep. He goes downstairs to have a cigarette. And that's when they have one of the jump scares. Like Georgina is up. She's like, it always seems like she's up somewhere. Right. He goes outside. He goes to have a cigarette. And all of a sudden you see Walter, the landscape guy, running at him at full speed. But he's far away. So it's this weird image of like, what is he doing? Is he going to kill me? Is it? And he's just standing there. Chris is just like, doesn't know what to do. Yeah. Right. And Walter literally comes up running at full speed and just kind of goes around him, sort of. No actual semblance that he's there. Right. 
So you can start questioning. At least I thought that this was done well enough to say, has Chris already been hypnotized? Like, is any of this actually happening to him right now? Right. And the way that they play it off is it comes off where, was that a dream? What did, What just happened here? He walks back into the house and there's the mother basically waiting for him. She's in her seat right. in her little lounge. She's got her teacup and she asks him to sit down and she makes another mention that she hates the fact that he smokes around her daughter. Right. And then she starts bringing up his mother. And that's like a trigger point for him. It's his Achilles heel. Right. And when he does that, she has some kind of control over him because that's his weakness that he starts talking about his mom. It turns out that his mom was hit in a hit and run and he was in the house watching TV and didn't know it and knew something was wrong that she wasn't back yet, but never went to check on anything and never called the police. Mind you, he was a little kid, too. This isn't something that happened like three weeks ago. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. He's a little kid watching TV. You would hope that in that situation, he would go call the police, but you really can't blame him for that because how would he really know? Right. It turns out, I think you find it out later on, that if he had called the police right away or if he had gone outside to take a look around or something, it turns out that his mother wasn't instantly killed, that she might have been able to be saved had he called when she was supposed to be home and wasn't. Exactly. So he does blame himself for that. Understandable, though. So the mother kind of really just like hones in on that and has some kind of control over him with the stirring. He starts crying like got wide open eyes as he's sitting there. She makes him sink into the floor, she says. And that's when they switch over to this kind of world inside his mind where there's basically a screen and he's just falling away and he can't speak. You're trapped inside yourself. It's um, It's been described as people being waking up um, when they're under anesthesia, being fully aware of their bodies and being trapped inside their bodies. Um, it's, it's that kind of a thing uh, if you start reading up on the different um, hypnosis terms and stuff like that. So this is actually a real thing when it comes to hypnosis. It's just never obviously been used in this sort of a sinister way. And it's kind of fun to have that visualization for people who, who don't really know a whole lot about it. Right. And she calls it the sunken place. Right. Everything goes black and he wakes up in the morning. Back in bed and just kind of shoots up. So he's not really sure if that happened or if, you know, just talking about it constantly kind of got ingrained into him. And we did skip over, I think, that the brother came home that night too, right? Right. And that dinner was ridiculously awkward. That brother did a really good job of making everything incredibly uncomfortable. Oh, yeah. Yeah, which almost makes you go, I get in the overall scheme of this movie why the brother needs to be there. Right. But you feel like if they've apparently been doing this for a while, really, dude, you don't have your shit together a little bit when it comes to this stuff. It seems like he just wants to skip all the other steps and yeah. just go into like he was ready to put Chris in a headlock and put him out. And that you should link together right there that that's what happened to the first guy you meet in the film. Right. But it and doesn't they touch happen. upon that, too, that, you know, it's much better that you get abducted by her than abducted by him his way is not as much fun right so it turns out that quote-unquote annually they have this get-together with all the parents friends from like around the neighborhood and everything chris is going around with his camera taking pictures and he's very worried obviously it's all old white people yes very old white people yeah a few other people now chris also before everyone shows up went to introduce himself to walter and that's when he figures out that he actually was hypnotized because Walter brings up, hey, 
I saw you last night with the mother. I hope she was able to help you out and cure you or whatever he says, something like that. Right. And I also want to apologize. Um, I was doing my exercises outside and I didn't mean to scare you. Yeah. And he mentions Rose is a very beautiful woman and that he hopes he's taking care of her and everything. Yeah. And while this is happening, he has a very unnatural smile on his face the entire right. time. Yeah. So initially when dealing with Georgina and Walter, my mind kept flipping over to this is very Stepford. This is yes. Stepford Wives. Like you're or invasion of the body snatchers. You're not real. There's something wrong with you. There's nothing organic about how you are. Because that's the easy way to say, okay, that's the point of the movie. Is they're taking people and they're basically making slaves out of them. Yeah, my mind didn't go there, though. It didn't? That was my first thought. Not necessarily that they're taking black people to make slaves. That they're just taking people to make slaves. Okay, yeah. I, If anything, I feel like they are... It, the mind wash is there. Like, there's some sort of... Either they're doing testing on them or something. You're not human. Any, like, you're essence of who you are isn't there because you're not organic like you feel robotic exactly that was the first thought right chris then has a talk with rose and he's like does walter have a thing for you that's a little strange and you know he talks about getting hypnotized for the first time you know he's like ah your mother really got in my head i had these terrible dreams i don't know what's real and what's not and there's an extended scene that I also watched where Rose says she was hypnotized when she was in high school to get over stage fright. That obviously was not in the original cut, but that could have changed the entire landscape of the film of what happens later on. But I don't know if they needed to do that or not. No, I'm happy that wasn't in it. Um, I didn't see that extended scene um, because I like the character that she ends up fully portraying. And I think it would have screwed with that too much to make... Her character is fantastic the way it yes, is. It really is. But that was also one of my thoughts was maybe she was brainwashed when she was a kid too. That was my initial because obviously I love guessing things, especially in a mystery right, movie. Right, right. I'm no, trying yeah, to guess and the obviously ending. it would lead you that way too. But I think also which is all why I like that they cut it out, is she never touches back on that type of innocence throughout again throughout that movie. Even towards the end when we get to that point, they shot a certain scene two different ways and i kind of wish that they had kept a specific way that they shot a scene okay. we'll get there then so i think we covered everything up to the party right yeah oh i did want to mention also georgina keeps unplugging his phone which is a big deal as well he also right. called rod at one point just to check in because rod's taking care of his dog and he's just right. like oh these white people are so weird you know all that kind of well, right and of course rod's like i told you you don't meet the white ones you don't want to go to white ones houses yep. blah, 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 blah. and you're like okay it's true though it is right. true. So party starts and Georgina is always constantly like playing with her hair, staring out into space. Yeah. She's doing very strange things from time to time. Zoned out. Yeah. Party starts. All these rich old white people are showing up Ugh. and every single one of them is talking to Chris like they've never met a black person before. Right. So do you like sports? Do you play sports? What kind of sports do you play? Yeah. So, you know, I know Tiger Woods and... uh Awkward white people talking. Yeah. Old white people talking. Tiger's the greatest of his generation, you know, like all this stuff. <laughs> and he's like, yep, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then like a Asian guy goes like, what is it like to be black in America this day? <laughs> it's like, what? Where does that question come from? I would say he handles all these situations very well, but you can tell it's getting to, and she does a very good job of acting too because she's like showing Just disgust. Yeah, she's very, very offended. 
At one point, he meets a blind... Previous photographer. Yeah, Milton from Office Space. Yep. Deeply. And he talks to him. He actually knows his work. He says, oh, I have an assistant who has described your work to me. It's very melancholy. It's very dark. Like, I really like it. Don't listen to all them. They're just stupid white people. Like, they're ignorant by whatever he says. It's, it's an interesting conversation they have. But it's more like, finally, I found someone who understands a little bit. Yeah. Who isn't freaking weird. Really. But then Chris sees a black guy around his age who's dressed as an old man, basically. Yes. Uh, Will Smith and, and Bagger Vance. Yeah, very yes. Will Smith and Bagger Vance. Yep. And when he turns around, if you remember the first scene of the movie, you realize that that's him. Yeah. And his name in the movie is actually Andre Hayworth. But he in goes by Logan yes, now. Yes, now it's Logan. <laughs> and he talks in a very strange, drawn out manner. It's very precise and overly articulate yeah maybe that's a good way to put it so it kind of puts chris off a little bit he's like he puts out his hand to like give him a pound andre or logan at this point just like puts his hand over it (laughs) and he's there with like a woman who's like double his age so at this point that's what i'm thinking is okay so it's once again it's like a slavery thing that they're doing they're deprogramming someone and making them like docile so that they'll be sex slaves i was thinking exactly that's what, what i love rodney's thing yeah. he's like dude you don't understand yeah rod was <laughs> right online with what i was thinking was happening here well okay so other than chris getting a lot of awkward questions from these people rose is also getting some awkward questions from some of the women to the fact of so wait <laughs> is it better or so how does and you're kind of like I don't really think I need grandma-aged people asking me these questions about my boyfriend. Awesome. I was seriously expecting them to go like, will you ever go back? You know, like something. (laughs) Are you guys going to take the cheap way out here? Because this is hysterical. And one of the little things, again, to note is when Logan goes off to talk to this whole group of white people, he does a little twirl. He does a little like showing up. outfit? And at that point, you're like, why would he do that? That's such a weird thing. And then you realize later on why. And once oh, again, yeah. it's the little parts. And that's why I think this movie really does captivate people a little bit more than a typical thriller slash horror movie is that there are those little things in it that make you think a lot more. Well, yeah, it's not just a blatant foreshadowing. Like it's these little things that they're, they keep recalling back to, which is kind of interesting. So Chris goes and gets his phone and he notices that it's not plugged in and he tells Rose about it. And Rose is like, I don't think Georgina did it on purpose. I don't think that's a thing that she would do. Rose leaves and Georgina comes in and starts apologizing to him. And at this point, he's like, oh, you know, I didn't mean to be a narc. I didn't, you know, I wasn't ratting on you or anything. And he's like, I'm just, I'm a little off. It's just, you know, you know how it is. We're around all these white people. And she kind of gets stunned. And she doesn't exactly, she kind of starts to shudder. Like her face starts to shudder a little bit. And she starts crying, but with wide eyes. And that's the thing. Whenever someone cries, they've got these wide eyes. Like they're trying to get their brain to work correctly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a stall. It's a buffering, rebooting kind of a thing. It's really well done. So it's really creepy and really well done because they're centered on her face while she's doing it. And finally, she's like, no, 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 no. And, you know, scurries off. She's like, oh, white people, they're great or whatever. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> no, you don't understand. They, we're not the help. They treat us like family. Bum, bum, bum. <sighs> and as she leaves, he's just like, bitch, be what crazy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so he takes his phone. He goes downstairs. And he's thinking, 
I need to show Rod this guy because he's thinking that he knows him. And that's what yeah, he also talks to Rose. Yeah, he talks to Rose about it a little bit. You know, is that a joke too? Like all black people know each other? That's what it seemed like <laughs> Peel was doing in that situation because Rose just kind of gives him this look like, how do you know him? How right. is that possible? Right. So as he goes right. outside, everyone's standing around him. It's after the Asian guy asks him about being black in America. <laughs> And Logan comes over and he's like, hey, man, well, look, I was having trouble answering this question. What's it like for you to well, be Well, yeah, he actually American? just passes it off on Logan. Yeah. He's like, dude, you're awkward and you apparently can talk to these people. So he goes, actually, I'm not going to feel this one. Uh, Logan, my man's going to handle this. Right, Logan? <laughs> and as he's talking, he tries to be sly and he's got his camera down by his waist and he's trying yeah, to take like a picture. It looks like he's going to record him. Is yeah, what it like. that's what it originally looked like to me, too. But he goes to take a picture and he forgot that his flash was on. And Logan just all of a sudden gets a nosebleed and then runs at Chris saying, get out, get out, get out, and jumps on him and saying, get out, get out, and everyone's freaking out. They grab Logan, take him into a separate room, and the mother performs another hypnosis on him because they're like, oh, he had a seizure. And of course, Chris is like, uh, no, my cousin has seizures. That was no seizure. What the hell was that? I think this is the other time it's mentioned right. that his, her dad's a neurosurgeon. He's a neurosurgeon. If he says it's a seizure, I'm going to believe that it's a seizure. Right. So he's freaked out, obviously. He sends the picture to Rod. Rod goes, hey, that's Andre Hayworth. He went missing like six months ago or whatever. You knew him from someone, someone's sister or something like that. So he's like, shit, I did know who that was. That's really weird. Right. They go and have a walk. Like Rose takes him. She's like, we got to get out of here. Let's go for a walk. And when that happens... All the old white people get together and they have... To play bingo. To play, yeah, quote-unquote bingo. And it turns out to be an old-fashioned auction. Yeah. And there's just a picture of Chris and they're doing some weird... I don't know how they were scoring it, but people were putting up bingo cards. So the bingo, the way the bingo cards are marked is actually... if you, They're different numbers. Mm -hmm. It is a traditional like actual like auction where you show your number. I just um, didn't know if there was a code I, in it but, somewhere. I can still frame it and look at it, but you can see that there's that that's that's what they're doing. He's walking around beforehand, and they have all these chairs set up by the pavilion, and it looks like they're gonna have a wedding. So that always kind of caught my eye too. Where like, why do you have this set up like this? If this is just like a family picnic, whatever this is. Yeah, Chris never mentions it. No one mentions no, it. But it's awkwardly there in the background a couple of times, where you're like, ceremonial sacrifice. What's going on here? Pretty much, right? Right. So it turns out that Milton, the blind art dealer, wins the auction. And while this is happening, Chris and Rose are off by themselves. Obviously, that was done on purpose to get right. him away from there. Look, you should have known she was in it. Like from the beginning, I'm like, oh, yeah. she is definitely in on this. There's no doubt right. about it. No matter what it is, she's in on it. So they go off and they talk and he talks about his mother again and he wants to leave. And it kind of seems like he wants to leave without her because he's not really trusting her. He's like, if you, can, yeah, if you can come from this family, but then he kind of breaks down a little bit. And he's like, you're the only person in my life. I love you. Let's leave together. Right. And she agrees, obviously. Okay, hon. I mean, if you're that freaked out, we can just come up with something and we can head out. That's fine. And they go back to her room. He's packing. And that's when I think actually he finds out that Andre Hayworth is who he thinks it is. That that's actually Logan. He's like, oh, shit. Like, we need to get the fuck out of here right now. Right. Get your stuff. Get the keys. Let's go. And on top of that, he goes digging through her closet. Well, the door's left open. And I wonder if that was done by Georgina subconsciously. Right. 
And that's after he does talk to her. He's like, we need to get out of here. She leaves to go get her stuff. He then sees that the little door is open. He goes in there. There's a shoebox full of pictures of Rose with tons of black guys. And she had told him before that he was the only black guy that she had ever dated. Hmm. Interesting. Oh, and not just black men. No, there's a picture of Georgina in there, too. In a very relationship kind of photo. Yeah, I wasn't sure if it was roommate in college or if it was more lesbian relationship. That was more lesbian relationship. But one of those pictures in there, too, is Walter. Yep. So you're like, oh, shit. Where is this coming from? Like, when is it going to hit? You know, he knows, but he's not letting it on. He doesn't take the big thing of pictures and go like, what the fuck? You told me, you know, he knows better. And this is what I like, too. He wants to get out. That's what he wants to do. Right. So he gets downstairs and the whole family's there. The mom's got the tea saucer and the dad goes on some talk about living up to your potential or whatever. What do you think we're all really here for? The whole creationism talk. Because, I mean, what is this about? I mean, we come here, we create, and then we just die. Why are you (laughs) like, it's it's kind of like, yeah, it's kind of what life is. Okay. And then the brother is awkwardly standing with a lacrosse stick. Trying to seem. Twirling it around, playing with it, whatever. Trying to seem all big and bad and stuff. By the way, he's like a skinny little fuck. Clearly like, oh, you're a douchebag. Like, you can just tell. For sure. Chris is like yelling at her to get the keys. Like, he finally loses it. And she's pretending. She's like, oh, I can't can't find it. Where are the keys? And then in a very, very cool part, I thought, anyways. Rose? I'm looking. Rose. I don't know where they are. Rose? Rose! Rose, give me those keys! Give me those keys. Rose, now! Now, the keys! Oh, be careful, bro. What the fuck? I didn't do anything. What the fuck is going on? Where are those keys, Rose? You know I can't give you the keys, right, babe? We're not letting you go, right? Yeah, you know I'm not actually leaving yeah. you, right? And if anyone was surprised by that twist, shame on you. But Yeah, no, seriously, come on. It was just done very well that you're like, ah, there it is. There's a psychopath. So before he can do really anything, like, the brother takes a swipe at him. And the mother's doing the stirring, and that's what uh, the sound is apparently what triggers these people. And he falls over. Yeah, oh yeah, he just dr- he sinks inside himself. Yeah, it's a sunken place. Right. So you see a nice little visual where he's floating away from the screen, basically, and they're carrying him downstairs. Somewhere. And yeah. she even says, she's like, that's too bad, you were one of my favorites. Which is another jab in the side, for sure. <laughs> so he wakes up in a room in the basement, stereotypical deer head hanging on the wall. And one of those old school TVs. And it's very similar to the TV he used to watch when he was a kid. So the room was very 1950s white person's rec room. It's the wood paneling. It's the old TV set. And the TV set actually reminded me of the Twilight Zone. I can see that. He is strapped to this leather, plush leather chair. And the TV clicks on. It's almost like an informative video, and come to find out, it is Rose's grandparents or grandfather talking about how he's figured out how to create immortality, and um, it's all within the family, and just accept it, and what's the term called? Coagula. That, (laughs) which all I can think of is coagulated blood. Well, that and also Caligula. Oh, well, yeah. I put both, yeah, I put both (laughs) of those together, and I thought that was a good way a good word that just sounds terrible. Yeah, no, it's like moist. It just makes you kind of go <laughs> moist. Yeah. <laughs> it's so weird because do you want a dry cake? 
No, you want a moist cake. Yeah, but it's okay with cake. Moist anywhere else is want, just... Do you want a dry vagina? Damp. <laughs> oh. Damp is what I'm Oh, I don't for. know. Damp sounds worse. <laughs> it's like you've been stomping around in puddles all day. Damp. <laughs> Hold on, Kelly. Let me get my galoshes. Exactly. <laughs> you got to suit up for this thing. Raincoat and all, people. Raincoat and all. Hey, the more you know, don't forget. Safety first. Yep, safety first. <laughs> no bear backing over here, kids. All right. <laughs> we had to get something in there. Yeah, eventually. Mm-hmm. You know, it comes out. That's what happens. So, yeah, it's a very cool old school style. You know, here's what's going to happen to you, basically, without telling you what's going to happen. And right. then the teacup comes up again on the screen and he zonks out. Right. Now, at this time, I think it's around this time anyways, that they cut to Rod. Because Rod's like, hey, they were supposed to come back in two days. He's taking care of the dog. He doesn't know what's going on. So he goes to the police. Right. After calling him, you know, tons of times and just getting the the voicemail. Right. And the police do not believe him. This was probably one of my favorite scenes. (laughs) Because he's sitting down. I mean, mind you, he's sitting down in front of... uh, female officer a black female officer and it cuts away to i mean he pretty much says now this is going to sound crazy and she's like you know what hold on a second she had to bring in more people to laugh at him pretty much is what she did which was fantastic no it really was and i think they did on purpose once again to make it a black female officer that wouldn't believe him because if they just made it a white officer well then they're all in on it clearly right to be quite honest rod was almost correct in everything he was saying Because he brings up Andre, he brings up everything. He's like, white folks are capturing black folk. You need to go get them. Awesome. So he doesn't really know what to do. He starts looking things up online, and we'll get back to that. So I think then they cut back, and one of the things that Chris does because of what happened to him when he was a kid, when he's in a chair and he's nervous, and you see it when he gets hypnotized the first time, is he scratches chairs a lot, like the arms of the chairs. Like He'll just keep on doing it. It's like a nervous habit kind of thing. Right. So after he gets knocked out and he comes back, you notice that the chair is ripped up and the fuzz is coming out of it. Right. Now on the screen, though, he wakes up and he sees Milton start talking. Milton is in a hospital gown and his head is shaved. This is the second part of the procedure. The first part is the hypnosis. The second part of the procedure is basically letting the victim know what's going to happen to them so that the mind... preparedness. Exactly. This is what's going to happen, and this is what they've been doing. They are going to put Chris into that small sunken space in his mind, but basically transfer Milton's mind into his so that the body and everything will be Milton's except for that small space where he'll have to watch his life be led by Milton, which is its a terrible fate. Look, I don't get scared by anything. If that was a real thing, that's probably like the scariest thing that can possibly happen to you. I completely agree with you. That is absolutely probably one of the most terrifying things to be trapped inside yourself and have no control over what your destiny is anymore. You're just a prisoner inside yourself. And you realize that that's what's happened not only to Andre, but also Georgina and Walter and who knows all those people that they had pictures with Rose, that's happened probably to all of them. So I think right. all of that is dawning on him as he's sitting there, and he he's not writhing around. It's almost like he knows that this is his fate now, and he's trying to justify it, which is exactly why they do that second step. 
Right. It's so that the brain comprehends what's going to happen to it so that the procedure actually goes more smooth, it seems. It's more successful, yeah. And the one thing that I thought was interesting as well was he did ask, why black people? <laughs> well, apparently it's the current trend. Yes. And <laughs> black people are genetically superior to white people. I mean, for Jordan Peele, it's a very pat yourself on the back movie, too. Because you know, so this movie will be seen as good, even with that being said, that kind of line there. But if a white person says it, that's a Nazi movie. You know what I mean? If any white person says <laughs> white people are genetically superior. Cut up your bed sheets. We're going out. Yeah, yeah. that's exactly. exactly. Yeah. There are plenty of movies Whatever. where black people are the bad people. White people are the bad people. Doesn't fucking matter. In this movie, it just happens to be white people. That's the way I look at it. Absolutely. I mean, it wasn't over the top. Hit this on the head. Thank God. Because there are two endings to this movie. And the one you get is by far the better one. We'll talk about that. So Chris is kind of like resigned to his fate, it seems. When the film is over and it looks like Milton's going to be prepped for surgery, Chris looks down and sees all the fuzz coming out of the arms of his chair. So hopefully people are smart enough to understand what that means. Oh, I wouldn't even particularly put that to people. Oh, you didn't? Oh, okay. Not me. I'm just saying in general, I would Kelly. not give people that kind of hope you know what's going on. Okay. I think after it's revealed, people are like, oh, no, yeah, that would make sense. Gotcha. So then they show the whole prepping station where it's the father and the son. They cut off the back of Milton's head to get ready for the surgery. Pretty much, yeah. They cut to Chris and Chris sees the teacup again and goes, no, 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 no. And he falls asleep. Zonks out. Zonks out. Rod calls Chris's phone again. And she picks up and she's like in hysterics pretty much. She's like, Chris? And he's like, no, it's, it's Rod. Where is Chris? And she's like, he left two days ago, you know, in an Uber or a taxi. You know, have you seen him? You know, blah, blah. And he's trying to use his TSA. He goes, well, what was the name of the cab company? He's like, I'm going to get this bitch. And he like puts her on hold for a second. He goes to record so he can her. record, yeah. And which was really smart. Like, that's a right. good fucking idea. Unfortunately, she's a step ahead of him. When he gets back on the call, she starts acting all sexy. Like, hey, Rod, I know why you're calling. You know, there's always been something between us. Like, why don't we just get this over with kind of thing. He's like, what, bitch? He's like, why devil? Right. <laughs> Hangs up on her. Oh, that bitch. Oh, she's good. She's yeah. good. Oh, that was smart. Yeah. Damn He's it. like, damn it. That's, that was really smart. And it was. That was probably right. like one of the best things she could have done there. So then the brother goes to get Chris to bring him into surgery. And he unstraps Chris, goes to get everything ready, and you realize Chris is actually fine. He's not under any hypnosis right now. He gets up, hits him twice in the head with a croquet ball. Croquet or bocce? Oh, I don't know the fucking difference. Doesn't matter. <laughs> I don't know. Hard the round difference. cylindrical Look, object. I might be white, but I'm not privileged white. Sorry. <laughs> oh, just, okay. Sorry. Sorry. Just didn't seem like it had the right markings for. Hmm, okay. <laughs> yes, Kelly, could you please stop? I don't even fucking know the difference. <laughs> Let me pull my expertise out for this particular segment. Get Wikipedia. So you're like, yes. Well, I was like, yes. I was like, fuck yeah. I hate that he didn't check him. Smash him over the head again. That was borderline for me, though, because it seemed like that probably should have killed him. But once again, I've stated in multiple, multiple episodes. I need to see fucking crush skull. Crush his skull, break the legs, make sure they're not coming back. Right. That's all I'm saying. You realize, well, what happened? Like, how did he do it? And then he pulls 
the fuzz out of his ears. If I was him, I probably would have left that in or at least yeah, had it ready. Why would you not like? Because you don't know where the mother is, all that kind of stuff. He then kills the father, rams him with the deer head. Oh, and there's the callback. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I thought that was a nice little touch again because right. the father fucking did hates a good deer. Job with those. Yeah. The father falls over and lights the room on fire with a candle. Yeah, I was trying to figure out what fell that would have ignited the whole house. He had two huge candles, and then it fell and lit all of the equipment stuff on fire. Makes sense, because, I mean, I've not been in an operating room without ambiance. Remember, they are supposed to be like a cult thing as well, so you gotta have candles. Yeah, don't forget, you need the candles. He goes upstairs. He's not too worried about the fire or anything. He's pretty much in the zone right now. He's yeah, just, I know. Nothing's going to hurt him. He just needs to kill people and get the fuck out. That's what he yeah. wants to do. This is survival. Pure. Mm-hmm. So he finds the mother, and they have a little standoff because it just so happens that she is not holding the teacup in her hands. It happens to be on the table. So they both look at each other. She realizes what's happened already to like her husband and stuff because he's covered in blood and shit. Yeah, oh, yeah. They both run. He obviously makes it to the table first, smashes the teacup, and then they fight. She puts a scissors or something through his hand. I think it's like an uh, an envelope opener. Ah, okay. And it looks like a, it looks like a knife. It looks like a little dagger. Yeah, like I have a Game of Thrones one for opening right, letters. Right, yeah. yeah. So it's probably something like that. He's in that endorphin rust zone where that isn't even really hurting him. So he fucking kills her, and I was really oh, yeah. glad about that. Once again, that was one of those ones you clap. You're like, yeah, fuck yeah, kill that bitch. So she's dead. He goes to leave the house, and it turns out that the brother is not dead. So they have a thing. He jumps on his neck. He starts to do the go to sleep. They're fighting back and forth, back and forth. It turns out that Chris has the letter opener. They do this whole back and forth where he tries to reach for the door, opens the door. The brother shuts it with his leg. On the third time or the second time of that, he stabs him in the leg with the letter opener and then fucking kills him. Oh, yeah, stomps him. Yeah, stomps him good. Oh, yeah. Stomps him real good. Yeah. Stomps him real good. Dun, 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 dun. Hey, come on. We had to put some comedy in here somewhere. Wow. (laughs) Oh, we forgot to mention at one point, too, Georgina sees him. And runs away. Oh, yeah, yeah. When he first comes upstairs, before he even runs into the mother, Georgina's in the kitchen doing something, and she takes off. Right. And then as he's leaving, that's when they show the scene that you had mentioned earlier with Rose eating her Cheerios, or no, Rose eating her Fruit Loops, right? It was Fruit Loops? Listening to, and I've had the time of my life. Yes. While looking at new NCAA prospects. Yeah. On her computer. Which didn't make like, me laugh. That is the best serial killer, full obby, yeah. like ponytail back, like choosing my next victim. She looks like a Stepford wife at that point. Absolutely, sure. yeah. Yep. And then also, maybe I'm a psychopath too, I guess, because if I'm not mistaken, that's a bowl of dry cereal yep. and a large cup of milk with a straw. Yep. I do not mix my milk in my cereal. I do the exact same thing minus a straw. <laughs> Somehow doesn't even remotely shock me, actually. I know, right? Yep. Not at all. But seeing her like sip through the straw, like these calculated sips was really, really funny because she basically was like Dexter. Almost. Oh, no, yeah, no, yeah. absolutely. Scream Dexter. But now I also want to mention, and I think you probably noticed it too, on the wall behind her, this had to be a different room than she stayed with Chris, obviously. On the wall behind her are all the framed pictures 
of her with the different people that she's captured as well. So I did not notice that. Oh, yeah, yeah for sure. So here's so it's her trophy room. But that's what I like. See, it could either be the trophy room or you could argue that maybe there's part of her that's still a little human. Kelly's shaking her head and she says no, but you can. That's what a good movie does. Do that if you want to. You could argue both. Sure. You're wrong because it's a trophy oh, room. Oh, Ian's that's never wrong. Ian's never wrong. Come on. <laughs> So he jumps in the car. He drives away. As he's driving, though, Georgina comes out of nowhere and he hits her. Yeah, she runs up the car like the deer did and he just hits her. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Now, Rose hears this finally. I mean, she hasn't heard anything else has gone in the house because she has her headphones on listening to Time of My Life. I've had the time of my life. Chris is like, don't do it, don't do it, because this is where, once again, there's a little character arc and a little development here. This is similar to what happened to his mother. Shit, I got to get her. So he goes out, he gets Georgina. Now at this point, he hasn't put it together yet, but hopefully the audience has, that Georgina is really the grandmother and Walter is the grandfather. That should have been the first thing that people realize as soon as you know those pictures showed up right. in the first place. So Georgina comes to, though, and starts to tab, my family, my family, you killed my you family. You ruined my or, house. Yeah, you ruined my house, you, you know, whatever. He crashes a car, she bites it, obviously. Her head almost goes through the windshield. But you notice a large scar on her head, on the top of the head, where the surgery takes place. And that's why she was always adjusting her hair. And Walter's always wearing a hat. So was Andre. Andre had the old person hat on. It's fedora. So that's the thing. You just have to look for a black person with a hat. And they had to have had that surgery. Body snatcher. Absolutely. That's how it works. It's it's the brain slug planet. You can just, you can tell. I love when the brain slug was on Fry. (laughs) It just died. (laughs) <laughs> from lack of nutrients yeah Hermie was like poor yeah. little guy starved to death <laughs> Rose comes out with right. a rifle starts right. going after him shooting he's kind of stumbling kind of running away and then here comes Walter just barreling down on him fast as fuck tackles him and you're like oh no wonder he's been running all this time that's what the grandfather used to do and right. now he can do that anytime he wants and he'll be faster than he was before Right. Tackles him to the ground. They're fighting a little bit, you know, as Rose is making her way up with the rifle. Chris is able to take out his phone, snaps a flash. Now, Rose did not see this happen. Right. So now Walter is stunned. He kind of comes back into who he is. Smartly, instead of just going after Rose, goes, give me the gun. I'll take care of this. Rose is all happy. She's like, yeah, here it is. He shoots her in the gut. And then I knew he was going to do this because there's no way he right. wasn't. He takes a gun and he blows his own brains out. Yeah, he kills himself. Well, kills him and the other person, apparently. Which I would certainly do if I had right. the chance. There's no way in hell I would have been like, oh, well, I'm, I'm sure I'm in control now. No, 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 no. Yeah, no, no. You don't know how long that's going to last. So right. he does a noble thing. It also makes sense of why he mentioned probably subconsciously the thing about Rose being a beautiful girl. Like, oh, because he used to date her. Which is weird, you know, to begin with as well. Because yeah. Do you think the grandfather got all the memories? Well, no, because in theory they should have cut that out. Maybe. I don't know enough about psycho neurosurgery, so. Yeah. Slacker. Do no research before you podcast, <laughs> apparently. God. Oh, yeah. I'm the one. Shut up. <laughs> then Chris gets on top of Rose and he goes to strangle her. He's going to kill her because he knows this is a person that's beyond help. Another great scene, I thought, was when she starts smiling at him as he's doing it 
Uh, let me correct you there, Ian. Actually, in this particular ending, she kind of fights it and looks on with him longingly, which is why he doesn't actually choke her. Nope. Yeah, huh? She smiles yeah, huh? in both scenes. She smiles in both. No, it's not. No, no, it's not. No, it's not. No, All right. It's not. No, All right, Kelly, here we have to do a Ian Hayes movies bet because I guarantee you she does the same smile in both scenes. Cool. What's on the line here? You might want to think it's something. If you're wrong, we're going to review Wonder Woman. You said you didn't want to do Wonder Woman. Yeah, but it'll be worth it to torture you. Oh, that's me. Because that's that's how sure I am that she does this. Because I specifically made a note of it that she just only smiles in the second scene. Okay. I say she definitely smiled in the first one as well. So, okay, we've got that locked down. So, I have to think of something. Oh, maybe we'll do Pulp Fiction as a movie then. But okay. See, that doesn't even I would seem... love to rip well, that shitty movie. Oh, apart. see, that's ridiculous. But see, that seems like <laughs> more like I'm giving you a gift of great filmmaking. So see? it just seems crazy. See? I don't know. Oh, no, no. We're going to do a soccer movie Lame. with Amanda Bynes cross-dressing. <laughs> it's going to be great. All right. Keep in mind, folks, that is the bet. So look, we'll see if I'm wrong for the first time in my life. <laughs> in the theatrical end scene, Release. he chokes her and he can't kill her. He stops choking her, realizes he can't do it, and a police car drives up. So well, what like, you think is a police car? Well, yeah, you just ruined what I was going to say. It turns out that it's actually a TSA security car, and there's Rod. Somehow knows where to go, and that's because he apparently he stole a TSA security car that I'm pretty sure doesn't leave the airport. He's a TSA, and they get shit done. <laughs> TS motherfucking A. Yep, TS motherfucking A. Rose ends up dying of the gunshot wound as they drive right. off. They do make a note of that. Like, she's not yeah. coming back from the dead or whatever. She does die. And then they drive off, and then the screen goes, get out, and you are done with the movie. Now, a big thing that they made to note for all of the digital downloads and on-demand screenings is that there's an alternate ending that they have at the end of the credits. Now, I don't remember any movie doing this. Like, normally you have to buy the Blu-ray or the DVD right. in order to get extra features. Right. But they made a big note of this. And Kelly and I did talk right before the episode to make sure we both watched it. And we both got the same one where it's talking. Who is that talking? It's Peel. Is that Peel? It didn't sound That's like Peel. him. Really? That's him. Yeah. Oh, wow. So he was talking throughout the entire ending scene. So you don't really get to hear what the people are actually saying. Yeah, no, it's purely just a commentary shot. Um, I'm interested in if when if you were to buy the DVD, if it actually gave you the scene without him doing that. Right. Mm, so happy the theatrical one was what it was, because I can guarantee you it would not have the rating that it currently has if they had left what he wanted to have in there. I know what he was going for, but still, it's a little weird. So what happens in the original one that they end up calling the alternate ending is the police car that pulls up is actually a police car and the police come out and they arrest Chris. Obviously he's on top of someone who's dying and Who he's he, strangling. Yeah. And actually in that scene, he does strangle her to death. Yeah. He does kill her with his hands. So yeah. there's a bunch of dead people. There's a house on fire. Of course they're going to arrest him. They're not going to be like, Oh, you obviously were the victim here. Kind right. sir, like let's let you go. So they take him, and it turns out the court does convict him, or they're going to convict him. Like he's in prison, and Rod comes, I guess, to be like, Hey, we're trying to work things out, we're trying to get the prosecutor, whatever. And Chris basically says, No, it's just not going to happen. Just right. live your There's life. No proof. There's nothing, yeah. right? I'm, you know, basically, he's a martyr, you know, and he's going to take one for the team. 
right. you know, Peel's talking about how there are so many black people that are in prison unfairly and unjustly and all that stuff. And sure, that is true. But anyways, so here's my thought for that ending. To me, that ending is the ending of if the regular movie continued. TSA has no ability. There is no way that Rod pulled any strings that would be able to prove that any of that stuff happened. There's no way. There's the fire in the house, which is going to destroy everything. And even if they go, oh, but he was operating on whatever, they can easily say, and any lawyer, anyone worth anything, will be able to say, oh, well, Chris chopped off that guy's head and was going to perform surgery on people because he's a psychopath. Anyone's going to say that. No matter what color you are, whatever race you are, you're not getting away with that. There's no, no way. And that's the thing that happens in a lot of horror movies. Is sure the ending is the hero or the heroine walks away. In real life, they are going to have a lot of explaining to do. And yeah. a lot of people aren't going to believe it. Who is going to believe that that happened, especially with all their friends and that community that they have? There's no way. Even if they find Andre Hayworth, what? They're going to say, hey, policeman, you need to make sure that you take a flash picture of him in his eyes. And then only for a little bit, that's going to make the real person come out. That's not how things work. Right. They're probably going to get rid of him and no one's going to know the other people because everything got burned in the house. So unless they have a website saying the Coagula experience, like, come here and see all the black people we kidnapped, that's not what's going to happen. <laughs> right. For anyone getting all, you know, mad about the ending or being like, that makes it really depressing. That's what's going to happen at the end of that movie, no matter what. Sorry. Yeah, any horror movie. Yeah. No one's going to believe that, you know, there's a monster that kills you in your dreams. And there's a clown that eats little kids. That was the hardest thing to do in Friday the 13th and in Nightmare of Elm Street is be like, but no, no, but Freddy was killing people in the dream world. <laughs> no one, like the one police station, like the one area in that community is the only one that knows anything about Freddy. No one else does. Everyone else would be like, you're fucking nuts. Right. Where is this guy? Dexter isn't real, guys. Dexter isn't real. Yeah. And somehow, even though Jason's a huge motherfucker... You never find his body. Ever. The only thing they ever did right was in Jason X where they finally caught him and they cryogenically froze him. Yeah. That was the one way you were able to prove there's fucking Jason. He's out of the way because he's frozen. Right. That's all I would say about that. <sighs> but that is the end of the movie. Yeah, that is Get Out. And I got to tell you, Kelly, my rating for that is get out of here with that good movie. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> That was good. <laughs> it was a magic performance. I wish you all could have seen it. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank yes, I would certainly recommend this movie. I think it was done very, very well. It's probably one of the better thrillers. And also a movie that I didn't actually guess all the parts to, which is something no, yeah. new. Yeah, I, I'll also recommend it. I still think it's a little higher rated than it needs to be. Um, but I do like that they... Anything that they foreshadowed or really touched on for whatever reason, they come back to and they tie up those strings, which most movies suck at doing, and they did a really good job with this one. 99% is obviously amazing. Sure, I could say this would be like a 95, but why yeah. are we getting so technical? Because, Kelly, if you think about all the movies we've done, like, can you tell me that that movie is not as good as most of the movies that we've covered like in the last five years is there any movie that really comes close to get out besides like a comic book movie that you're just totally into but for that type of movie there hasn't been anything near get out 
You pose a particular challenge, sir. You can think it over. That's when it becomes more personal preference. But just the right, the no, direction there's nothing that jumps out immediately. Yeah. There, you're like, no, clearly this is Shawshank. You know, yeah, no, there's nothing. The direction, the storytelling, the mystery, the acting was amazing. Like all that stuff was so fucking good. You know, you can look past the whole white people are awful thing. Like that's gonna happen. Like I'm not worried about that because I know I'm not an awful white person. So I'm okay with watching movies. Like you're an awful white person. Absolutely. But that's yeah, that's just a side thing. I happen to not be, and that's why we balance out so well. Oh, yin and yang. <laughs> so other than that, I think this movie is so well done. The only reason you could say something is that maybe it's overhyped a little bit, but even then, in this genre of movies, there hasn't been anything anywhere near this. So I don't think it's overhyped in that way. No, I mean, yeah. I mean, the only hype I really heard is from you. Obviously, no one else that I know has really talked about it at all other than it's, you know, oh, it's a good movie. You should see it. Like, that's about as excited as they got. It's probably going to be one of the best of 2017. I don't think you're going oh, to yeah, get no, better. I'll give you that because yeah. it's also original and not a sequel, prequel or whatever. Exactly. That's also true. And that's the other thing, too. I really hope and I look, by the way, I know some people hear weird things in the background sometimes. It's just the way it is right now. So I hope Sorry, yeah, it's been traveling fine. Yeah. And you mentioned sequels. I wouldn't like I know they made a ton of money. They should not make a sequel to this. Maybe a prequel. Maybe. But even then, I think you still deal with the same thing because you've taken the mystery away. No, yeah. But they could go back and go into the grandfather discovering the coagula and how he gets his family to go along with it, like how he indoctrinates them into doing it. Because you have to have two families come together. I mean, you have to have the father and the mother, you know, come together and both believe in this somehow. Like, that's the crazy part. Right. And trap your kids into doing it, too. Right. Which is why there's still the option that the mother hypnotized both as young kids to be like, this is your purpose and, you know, you shouldn't feel bad about this, you know, whatever it happens to be. Right. In general, there should be no sequel to this. No. Yeah, absolutely not. This, this should just be a standalone and, you know, take your money and run and come out with another original and do it again. And like, that's the beauty of horror movies anyway. To put a, a to have a movie of this kind of success where you've put in less than five million dollars and have made a tremendous profit yes. is fantastic. And I mean, that's kind of the great thing with horror movies anyway. As a as a director, you're always taught you want to start off there because it's minimal budget for your biggest bang. The only thing I can hope is that because Blumhouse seems to be making movies in a better direction, maybe using that money to do things, you know, for other movies, that would be good. Hopefully. That's all right. I can hope for. Because really, most of their stuff is absolute garbage. Yeah. I really, really enjoyed the movie. I think it has absolute rewatchability, which is a yeah. big thing as well. So anyone, if that was the first time seeing it and then you heard the podcast and you're like, oh, they brought up stuff I missed, go watch it again. Like we're about to, so we have to go watch Wonder Woman. I'm completely right. So no, are you gonna, really not. Are you going to be honest? Because I rented it, so I can't watch it again. So are you going to... You yeah, have it? I still okay. got 24 hours on All this right. rental. All right. Well then, guys, the next movie we're going to be seeing is Baywatch. probably Baywatch. And then she's the man. So be prepared for that. And I'll be taking lots of Instagram photos while we are at the Wonder Woman. The Wonder Woman. <laughs> the Wonder Woman. The one and only. All the slow motion. All the stupid talk that, about being a fucking epic Amazon. hair flipping is what it will be. Wonder Woman was never a good character. I no. hate that anyone's going to pretend like it's like, oh, it brought women into the fort. No, it didn't. No, she was an no. Amazon. 
It was yeah. terrible writing back then, and to keep it the same is a terrible idea. <laughs> it's an awful, awful idea. There are better women role models. There are absolutely better women role models out there. It felt very Asgardian, so I'm intrigued by this. I mean, this yeah. was back in the day stuff. So anyways, sidebar, sidebar. Kelly, is there anything that you would like to plug? Sure. You can always find me on Instagram at Nerdy Girl Ivy and Facebook at Nerdy Girl Ivy, where, you know, it's obviously a lot of podcasting, some travel photos, cosplay and what have you. And once again, just like always, if you would like to support Ian Hates Movies and Ian Hates Music, you can go ahead and follow the links in the description of this episode. Thank you very much for listening. If you have time and you enjoy what we're doing, you can go on Apple Music slash iTunes and rate us five stars. Leave a comment. Do that on Stitcher, Google Play Music, SoundCloud. It's crazy. We don't get a lot of listens on SoundCloud. And I'm not sure why. Really? Yeah, we get a lot for the music show, but not for the movies for some reason. So I'm not sure why that happens. But you can listen there if you have SoundCloud as well. You can listen on so many different ways. IanHates.com. We're all over the place. People have heard the spiel probably many, many times. Yeah. So Kelly... Do you have any final words for everyone? Purge and purify. That makes no sense. That's That was my whole underlying feeling of this whole movie. And I will leave you the way I always do. Long days and pleasant nights. Thanks, everyone.